0: Discograffiti, the music podcast that delivers the objective truth about the entire discography of every single artist and band that ever existed. The way this show works is that each week
1: we will be doing a chronological deep dive into the recorded output of a single musical artist. Um, We're doing heavy research while we're doing this, and the music is always assessed with fresh ears. We are going and
0: listening to this again, all in real time. It's true. He's not kidding. And we're not just covering albums. We do a painfully honest deep-dive analysis of all their EPs, their singles, compilation tracks. Then every release is rated from zero to five stars. Which allows us to come face-to-face with ah, the true shape of an artist's overall arc.
1: In today's episode, we will be turning the spray cans on Beck, hmm. 90s slacker indie anthem writing guy.
0: Dylanite, man. Turned ironic rapping guy when he came, first came on the scene you and i uh were maybe a year into our friendship or something like that maybe two years well
1: sort of we had known each other a little while but we kind of uh we lived in the we were neighbors essentially in san francisco this is 95
0: Right, but for, but you and I met in 1990 right. at, at Boston University, and um, and then we both left BU and went our separate ways for a while. Right, and when we recomingled, it was in San Francisco, and then back uh, when we were there, what 95? I was there in 93. Mm-hmm. You got there in 95.
1: Yeah, life was kind of hard scrabble. It was a lot like a like a 1990s thing you'd see in a movie. You know, the furniture is bad. It was like train spotting without the heroin, basically. It's like train spotting, but with weed.
0: But with weed, exactly. And, you know, I remember there was a, an Indian restaurant that I used to go to around 1994 when things were very dire for me financially. And it was an Indian buffet. I would go there with a backpack, a big one that had a tub of Tupperware that was that backpack sized. And I would just take plate after plate back to the table and then dump it into the bucket. And that was my food for the whole week. How did nobody see that happening? I was... There were a lot of iniquities that I had enacted around that time that somehow I got away with.
1: This is all related to Beck, everybody. It it is. It's part of a larger picture. It is.
0: So Beck... At that time, when he first came out, when his music first became available to hear, <clears throat> it was—it seemed like a direct, mirrored reflection of the reality that uh, that we were living, and it felt like a deconstructed, cubist version of folk that went along with uh, what we were experiencing at the time. Certainly, what I was.
1: Yeah. Right. So um, I remember uh, you giving me a Beck mixtape that you had made. And you even made the announcement that you had distilled Beck's oeuvre into a 90-minute mixtape. And so, which at that time was basically, he only had one album out. He had Mellow Gold was out. Maybe One Foot in the
0: Grave was maybe out, too? Well, you're talking about like Your more tape, major was, albums. Yeah,
1: but then it, he, some of the early ones, like the, the self-release stuff from prior to um, Mellow Gold was also out, too. But he, well, he didn't have a ton out. Stereopathic
0: planet. Soul Manure was out. Um, yeah. The early ones I had never heard or heard of, right? Because the internet wasn't around,
1: but it was still enough to fill a ninety-minute cassette. Uh, pretty compelling, yeah.
0: Rate. Oh, absolutely. Every song on that was great. I still have the cassette. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to us, you know, this was a this was a fucking hot cassette. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> completely unavailable commercially. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, fully available in my room or Joe's room. And really kind of right in our zone
1: for what we were l- liking and listening to in music at the time. Yeah, Sebado
0: and Guided by Voices and Beck fit right into that, um, <clears throat> you know, four-track as therapist sort of a thing. Yeah. Now,
1: Loser had been a hit already, but then the album, Mellow Gold, people kind of forget, kind of fizzled, really. He was kind of like one-hit wonder kind of guy. Yeah. Um yeah, you know, the loser was obviously a big smash it was all over MTV and everything but then there was was not really a follow up from that record. And then there was a kind of a gap between that and odalay so it, in 95 when we were kind of getting into it it seemed like he'd he be seemed at, almost un- kind of underappreciated, or something. Or that he'd he would like a discovery. KTL mix
0: with yeah. that song on it. Yeah, that, but we're like, hey, this guy's was actually it. good. it was, yeah. kind, of, you know, it was a kind of a discovery. well, not just not just good though. So here's the whole uh, point uh, I think of of talking about what we were experiencing at that time, is that he seemed like to me anyway the Bob Dylan of our time. He seemed to be voicing uh, most adeptly and humorously what was. Uh, you know, around, you know, our shitty culture, what we were handed, which is Generation X. Um,
1: But yeah, he was, he was hitting on something that was, that that felt kind of familiar and and kind of real. It It, was zeitgeisty. It was, was, that's what I'm looking for. Zeitgeisty.
0: So basically, you know, he emanated from the Fluxus movement. His right. mom was a Warhol actress, his dad was a prominent string arranger. Grandpa was a part of yeah, Fluxus. Yeah, his grandfather
1: is kind of the uh the a Dadaist. The, the kind
0: of, yeah, it was kind of the pivotal he
1: has a very artsy upbringing, but then his, his grandfather's involvement in the Fluxus thing is kind of interesting to me because I think it reflects in his early music. You know, F- Fluxus was a collective of artists. Yoko Ono was part of it. Um, it was kind of, to me, kind of like a reaction to, the, to pop art or like a next phase of pop art. And uh, it's really, it was kind of challenging the notions of what is art. There's a lot mm-hmm. of absurdism, a lot of
0: uh, kind of dada Um, A lot of
1: performance art kind of aspects to it.
0: If you look at Beck's career, at first his work seems to be fully aligned with those ideals, but then later on they get submerged so they're just kind of bleeps and bloops on a party record. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But
1: that early stuff that we really liked, um, especially even the pre-Mellow Gold stuff, has that sort of deconstruction sort of quality to it. Has that sort yeah. of sense of like, uh,
0: you know, what is music? What is, you know. It actually takes me to a similar place as John Fahey. It, 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 with vocals, but it brings me to a similar emotional place. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's definitely emotionally evocative, the early stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, right out, right out of the gate, um, you know, this guy makes, you know, what are basically cassettes right? Yeah, so he had, his, he had some self-released records
1: that were kind of, um, you know, his, his, very early days, his first kind of attempts at making music. And I think he's, he was doing shows around what was kind of the, the, the primordial version of what became the silver Lake scene in Los Angeles. Um, you know, he's doing a lot of coffee houses, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of dive bar punk places. And he does these provocative sort of confrontational live performances. He's got famously the leaf blower on stage. He's, um, you know, kind of making the doing these kind of anti music kind of pieces. Um, There's some like. You know, music concrete mixed in there. And
0: frankly, some of it's dog shit and some of it's really good. I mean, it's just like that time, uh, you know, you weren't supposed to edit out all the fucking inessential scuzz. That was part of the idea.
1: Right. Yeah. That's that's an interesting word. You scuzz because there's a little bit of like that kind of pussy galore kind of influence. Mm -hmm. Royal royal trucks, that kind of. Yeah. uh, Yeah. There's a little bit of that in there where it's kind of noisy and scronky. Um, so he's got a pretty interesting stew going on, right? Kind of when he first emerges in making music, he, you can kind of see the, uh, the the building blocks that he's got, and he's got the great um, voice. So you know he's got this kind of baby face sort of look to him, but then when he opens his mouth and sings, he has this kind of very rich baritone, and that has um, when you especially when you see him singing live, uh, it's very striking. He, he, the sound that comes out of him is uh, is very impressive.
0: Well right out of the gate, you got fresh meat and old slabs. <clears throat> That's his first little cassette there. Um he actually uh, I believe gave this to his mom as a gift. This is just a gift to her. It's got a lot of good stuff on it actually for, you know, something that, you know, seemingly was tossed off. I mean, you know, the the song that immediately leaps out to me is Going Nowhere Fast. Mhm. Uh, this is a fully fleshed out song, and it, it tips the hat right away that his scrappy, you know, inessential scuzz fat fragments were an aesthetic faint.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, and it's, again, he's and it's got that, he, the the voice, the singing voice, but he really, a lot of times in these early recordings, he's kind of hiding it. He's slowing down tape, speeding up the tape, he's putting a lot of distortion on it. When you hear that actual voice come through, you can see, well, he's, you know, he's, this, he's got something to work with here, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a, he looks like a, uh, a 12-year-old you know, little kid, and he sings like an old bluesman Right on this stuff. I mean, you know, it really works. So you have Going Nowhere Fast. You have Sucker Without a Brain. Uh, Ballad of Mexico is good. Leave Me on the Moon is excellent. Um, convincing Country early on. Um, Go Where You Want is an early version of Hollow Log. Is an early version of Steve threw up on here and totally confused.
1: He, he has a base to work from. He has the he has the sort of like the Americana that sort of broken Appalachian kind of folk thing.
0: There's even a like a slight Melanchamp vibe on some of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is um, the, the the classic '90s irony to all of it. Um, the this you know the slacker generation uh, uh, affinity with irony. I'll give this one three stars. Yeah, these early ones—they're hard for me to. I know. Really rate. I know you think they're of a piece. They're kind of hard to rate in a ratings thing for me because they're kind of self-released and they're kind of. You know, I, I guess I. I would say yes. To me,
0: it's diminishing, just to let you know, it's diminishing returns. Right. So,
1: I, I have them in my notes all as N.A. On, the, N-A. <laughs> on, all these early, on all these early ones. It's kind of weird for me to try to give these a rating.
0: Well, for me, I'll give Fresh Meat and Old Slabs three stars. Golden Feelings, I w- which is next, I would give two and a half stars. That, because mainly it's more willfully cut up and filtered through a you know, scuzzy Sebado lens.
1: Yeah, there's more, uh, there's more of the kind of scrunky, noisy things. It's, it's a little less song
0: oriented. Yeah, and he's re- not revealing as much of himself and so he seems scared of straight songwriting. I
1: think all these were done in a very short amount of time. I think there's, all, yeah, yeah. all of them were done within a year or so, of each, or a year and a half or something.
0: Um, you know, there's a song on this called The Fucked Up Blues. I mean, this, this that is stuff I like, that's I like, like, I like that one a lot. It's a good actually. one, but yeah. it's kind of tossed off. Um, it's a good song though. Uh, super golden black sun Child is basically him doing the Donovan Hurdy Gurdy voice, right. and an early version of Motherfucker. But the key track is Getting Home. Uh-huh. Getting Home is a classic. It's the, the kind of simple but you know profoundly effective blues folk thing that he would uh, that he used to peel off in his sleep back. Yeah,
1: then. I'm day. surprised he didn't record that one again. It seemed yeah. like it was a really strong one. He did kind of re-record some of these later on.
0: That one is is outstanding. That's his first absolute yeah, stone. Yeah, that Cole one's classic. worth
1: checking out. Um These are kind of hard to find. So you have to find these records. I think they're not on any streaming platforms, but you can get them on YouTube. And um, yeah, that that tune is definitely worth seeking out. I I, re- I like Fucked Up Blues a lot too. That yeah, one's just, that's, that, that's a good one. Some of these are a little <clears throat> bit jokey. Um, yeah, and so that's always a tough, like trying to make songs that kind of work that have a sense of humor is harder than it seems. You know? We trafficked
0: in irony at the time.
1: <laughs> right. But That one kind of works, though. That yeah. one's, it's got a sense of humor to it. It's It's got a real tongue and she kind of wit to it.
0: So I, I give that two and a half stars. And then a Western Harvest Field by Moonlight, I'll give two stars. This one's really chopped and screwed. Not More of the trash than the pearls. Although you do have Totally Confused and Lampshade on yeah, this. Yeah,
1: Lampshade's really nice. That's a really cool song. I mean, there's there's uh, three different versions of a song called Feel Like a Piece of Shit on here. There you go. That's kind of tells you what you're... There you go. That's kind of the vibe of um, of these. Again, you can kind of... It's up to where he's at now in his career. You can kind of put all of these probably in a shuffle mode and you wouldn't really notice a whole lot of difference between one or the other.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's true, but you know, some of
1: the records have more one kind of thing on them than not. But
0: he's it's he's it's the same basic blend of ingredients, and and he's releasing tons of gems at this point. So, <clears throat> you know, right around that time, you have uh, M- a couple of singles come out. MTV makes me want to smoke crack, which mm-hmm. is you know, which is awesome. And Another St- one where the humor Steve threw up, yeah, which the, is
1: incredible. The humor really works on
0: those. Yeah, then he's pulling it off, because he kind of didn't really synthesize it perfectly before this. Uh, And then Stereopathic Soul Manure comes out, and it's a little bit confusing, because it comes out before uh, Mellow Gold, uh, and it seems like a companion piece, but it's definitely more of a piece with the early records.
1: Stereopathic Soul Manure does feel like a little bit of an evolution, like he's kind of raising the stakes a little bit. Like it doesn't feel quite so much like... Made it home for no audience, guys. There,
0: there are some great songs on this. I mean, <clears throat> you have Crystal Clear, which I've always thought was a totally overlooked song. Yeah, great song. Today is crystal,
1: crystal Clear Beer.
0: Crystal Clear Beer <laughs> in <parens. laughs> Uh Rowboat. Today has been a fucked up day. Putting It Down. uh Modesto. There's some really yeah, good songs
1: Putting It Down is really great. Um, uh, that's another one you would think that he maybe might ever re-record. I guess he kind of... um
0: but those are perfect versions. I
1: mean, they're... Yeah, they you are. Know. They, I, they are. I mean, I guess just because these albums are so kind of not really known... Um like that, these this he's now getting kind of into the style of things that would have, or and the quality that would have fit seamlessly on one foot in the grave.
0: No, but you know that depressing thing, like when Guided by Voices would redo their early stuff, and the redone versions always sucked.
1: Yeah, I mean maybe it's for the best that he didn't. It's still kind of surprising yeah, yeah. That, that, that they're kind of. It's. It, I guess the point is this another one. I'm not. Sh- I think this man maybe is on the streaming services. Um, but uh, definitely worth checking out. There's a good clutch of uh, very gem songs on um, on Stereopathic Soul Manure.
0: That one I give a th- uh, three stars too. I, I'm still N.A. <laughs> man, you're really just uh, appealing this thing. <laughs> you, you don't want to rate things. Well, I'm going to start rating them after this. I can't believe it. I, I like your attitude. You got Moxie. <laughs> All right, so moving right along, we're we're going into Mellow Gold. So there was a concept behind the record, which is that uh, the album was supposed to be a demonic K-Tel record found in a dumpster. And it kind of has that vibe to it. And frankly, it is the only record of its kind in his canon because for the rest of his um, career all he was doing was dissecting this record and keeping the disparate parts separate
1: right well mellow gold also the the uh, the the way was, so the stakes are kind of raised because now he's signed to Load and they he, he's kind of aware that he's making an album and he has real producers involved you would
0: think that the stakes would be lowered if you were signed to a company <laughs> called bang bong Bongload was kind of a big deal in <laughs> I know. its
1: day um, you know he had um, he, he, he kind of got discovered by the producer, Rob Schnaff, um, who has you know, made a ton of records. He did a lot of Elliott Smith stuff. He did um, you know, Kurt Vile, um, Cass McCombs. He's kind of just a big indie rock producer. Um, saw him playing at Sunset Junction. Got in, involved in recording him. He ended up signing to, to that label. And it's, they had kind of a little production team where it was him... You know, it was, it was Rob Schnaff, Beck, and then they were working with um, with another guy who's kind of uh, my, uh, kind of not really well known, but an important, I think, figure in Beck's career. This guy, Carl Stevenson, who um, they started incorporating uh, beat making into his sounds. So, Meligold has a bunch of songs on it that have, uh, you know, "Loser" obviously being the obvious example, but then there's a handful of other ones, "Beer Can." What are a couple other ones? There's like four or five of them on Mellow Gold that have this kind of that have these kind of hip hop beats, fucking fuck with my head. fucking with my head exactly. So there's, there's <clears> a bunch <throat> of them, and that kind of becomes the iconic sound of it. And it becomes not only of that record, but for what he did in the future, he kind of hit something that kind of worked. the kind of mix of the beat oriented music with his broken like folk sort of things, and he also starts rapping on stuff. So there's a lot of new elements here on Mellow Gold that you, that didn't really exist before. And it's, it's a pretty, uh, it's obviously a huge turning point. It's obviously his first, you know, major label record.
0: And there's some great songs on there. I mean, uh, first of all, the, the schism I'd mentioned before it is presented side by side with uh, Motherfucker into Black Hole. So the, basically he would have his, you know, sort of yeah i mean that kind of you would never find that on any yeah
1: motherfucker being a really like uh like, like distortion drenched kind of ironic uh like desperate sounding kind of punk riff it, yeah and really Black- super blown out and ugly sounding
0: And black hole is an Eastern influenced ode to uh, depression and cosmic aimlessness. Yeah, it's this very pretty drone. It's um, amazing. It's one of his best songs. Uh, You have loser on there, obviously. Pay no mind is just one of his Stone Cold classics. Probably the best lyrics he ever wrote. Yeah, pay no mind
1: is kind of the one that where you know I think on on hearing that where we kind of projected like next Dylan kind of status. Absolutely.
0: I mean, but the lyrics. Lend itself to that. I mean, there had to have been a self-conscious element to that because, um, you know, they're just beautifully proclamatory without being pretentious. Because the humor element, he's pulling that off like it's paying off in spades now. Yeah, uh, you know, he's really got a handle on what he's trying. Well, to the convey. one, the
1: one line of it that's the the, the classic, you know, the, the great punchline: "Give the finger to the rock, rock and, and roll, roll singer." singer as he's, he's dancing, dancing upon, upon your, your paycheck. paycheck.
0: The sails pile high in the garbage pale skies, like a giant dildo crushing the sun. Right, and that's
1: funny in its own right. But the 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 where the chord change sits, where he hits giant dildo crushing the sun. Mm. It's really kind of pretty chord change. The, the where it sits in the song, where that punchline sits, like the chord change really like amplifies it. It's it's. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great song. It's kind of a it's a it's a sl- it's a slacker anthem that never really became an anthem. You know, it was that's not really one of his more well known songs. No, but it's a real mission statement. Um, Another one that's not
0: well known on the Loser single, you have that song Alcohol, which is uh, kind of a path not taken. It kind of has a vibe of Pink Floyd's Metal, and it's one of my favorite early tracks. Um, but Mellow Gold as a whole, I would give it four stars.
1: i give it four and a half. I like it a lot. It has a kind of looseness to it and a kind of organic kind of quality to it. Like, it, it's, it sort of feels like the last time he wasn't really kind of trying hard, and I mean that kind of in a good way. I, don't, I mean, like, it's, it's, it seems like he's being very natural, and what's coming out of him is just sort of, you know, this happens to be what I'm making. And from here on, it seems like his everything's kind of much more considered.
0: Notwithstanding the follow-up record. Yeah,
1: right, but not including that one, really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So you got Bogus Flow uh, also, which is a great Stray track on the DGC comp. Um, And again, more promises to be the Dylan of Generation X on that song. Then uh, you have All at Once, uh, One Foot in the Grave, and the single of It's All in Your Mind, which was done at the same sessions, to me, the apotheosis of his career. I'm going to say it flat out. I can't wait to say this is a five star record. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, this is a great record. So much good material on this. This is he's got It's his best record, the, I think. The the folk side of his um, of his persona. This is the definite peak of that. He's got so much material here. That I mean, I think you know, one foot in the Grave has, Grave has like 15 songs or something on it, and then. Recently, they did a reissue of it, I don't know, like 10 years ago or something. And there's
0: just as many stray tracks. And those They're are all good. Are just as good. Yes. Yeah, so it's crazy. It's, it's, and, it's, and the good songs, too. You got Hollow Log. You got um, He's a Mighty Good Leader. Um, Seawater. Force Field's one of my that's favorite great. songs. Assholes Classic. Assholes Classic. Uh, I mean, really, really strong material. Um, it's not really a lo
1: fi record. He's, he recorded it up in, at Calvin Johnson's studio. Um, the K-, the K records studio and uh, Calvin Johnson's on it a bit. It has a, just a very kind of direct, um, you know, plainly recorded, no frills kind of sound to it. it. the songs really just speak for themselves on this. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, you know, the vast majority of it is just his voice and a guitar. There's a couple of songs that have maybe slightly more fleshed out arrangements, but, um, and it sounds like an Alan Lomax project. Yeah. It's just, it's a, got it's, that vibe. To it, it has a very cleanly naturalistic kind of sound to the recording. um, yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's very strong. It's the only, you know, it's a lot of one thing. It's, you know, it's a lot of him playing and singing his guitar, but that's, that's kind of a strength of it really.
0: And I think, you know, as, as far as mission statements go, this is kind of the most mission statementy, like, you know, the lyrics to hollow log, you know, that sort of, you know, blends into the whole mythology about early back, mm-hmm. <clears throat> certainly the mythology that, you know, I built around back, um, i don't know this is just to me the the absolute zenith yeah it's 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 a songwriting tour de force i mean if you like
1: beck for some of his for some of the other sides of his personality this you know because the next you know there's stuff that happens in the next few records that they're that are interesting in a completely different way um but as you know as far as a seamless kind of you know self-contained record uh you you, you there's not really a whole lot you can say about it that's you know it's, it, it hits the mark pretty much across it does. the
0: board. It does. And then to me, the high point of his entire career is the single of It's All in Your Mind on the A side, and then Feather in Your Cap and Whiskey Can Can on the second side. Mm-hmm. And it's <clears throat> the band on it is so rudimentary and ramshackle. That it's constantly falling apart and coming back together. It, again. it has
1: the K Records aesthetic to it for sure. It has that kind of you know um,
0: the material and the sound have the perfect synthesis to it. Yeah, it really is just that single. It sounds like people playing perfection.
1: playing in a bedroom or something. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a great single. That was those were very prominently featured on your uh, on your mixtape. Yeah, it's funny stars because of, stars of the 1985 I think Odelay
0: wasn't out.
1: No, it wasn't. It wasn't because it came out in ninety. I distinctly remember Odelay coming out. I remember my roommate had an advanced copy of it. He worked at Gavin Report. That was definitely the following year. That was 96.
0: So then we move into a completely different era in his career. So, um, you know, he, we move on to uh, Odalay. Yeah, and I,
1: I remember, you know, like I said, my roommate gave me a copy of that CD. I remember popping it in. And, um, you know, the first track, Devil's Haircut, it's like, wow, holy shit. This is It's, it's that, a
0: whole different thing. That song's pretty
1: badass. Yeah. <laughs> that song's pretty... That's, just the minute that kicks in, it's like, wow, this New is...
0: New Pollution is great. I mean, you got... The the album was massively successful. It was. uh, It really is a great record. It holds up really well. And there's a great mix of different kind of flavors on it that all combine well. So
1: he's also he's kind of you know he had the big hit with "Loser," which was done with Carl Stevenson's beat behind it. And this is like he's kind of raising the stakes on um, you know working with beat makers because he brings in the Dust Brothers, who were um, this is kind of the peak of their thing. Really, his his aesthetic matches really well with them. They had done Paul's Boutique. Um, and they had done a bunch of successful hip-hop singles. I think they did, like, those Tone Loke singles. Um, so they were a pretty established force. And they had, you know, they were, for, Paul's Boutique is that kind of, has that, you know, kitchen sink sort of style of, uh, of production. It has all those amazing samples in it. Um, and Odelay is in that, has that same kind of vocabulary to it, where it has that same kind of, like, uh, mash-up kind of feel um, with, you know, beautifully curated sampling,
0: it's kind of the outgrowth of what Paul's boutique. What were the great records from that era? De La Soul is mm-hmm. dead. Um, what would be the the one tribe called Quest? Low End Theory. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah, this is in a way the production Odelay is kind of more impressive because it's in '96 and you have to clear samples now. Right. So on Paul's boutique and and a, and a, like De La Soul is dead or, or you know, those records that you could sample anything, you didn't have to get clearances. Now you had to be kind of like clever with how you'd sample. You'd have to get all these sample things that you could afford to get the clearance. Right, right. Um, and so the, a lot of things are kind of chopped up and made to sound like samples. So you're trying to get that same effect, that same kind of like, you know... Because uh, th- those records that are... Those those, ver- those sample-based classics that we were just talking about, they do something to your memory. They, they, they trigger yeah. they trigger something in your sense of nostalgia and, and like in your, in your memory that kind of... That, that's kind of the magic of those. That's why that was such a golden era, you know, when you didn't have to clear samples. Um, so, you know, Odalay this is 96. They, the, the laws had changed. So you,
0: this is, this is the, um, a natural outgrowth. The, yeah. A natural the, next the, the, step. The,
1: the pairing out. works works beautifully <clears throat> on this one. He still has a lot of ideas. He's got great songs. Everybody seems very excited to be doing it. And this record is a lot of fun. There's also a lot of different, you know, there's the, the kind of like uh, the, 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 the jackass, the really pretty kind of ballad song, um, ramshackle min- yeah minus which is kind of like the kind of punky kind of you know uh, driving kind of thing and all it all sits together though and just feels like it's part of part of it has its and record sequence where it's really at,
0: well where it's at is one of the least impressive songs and that's that was a smash single i mean it's, yeah that was another bit that was i think
1: maybe even a bigger single than loser um mm-hmm. and that was that was the lead single off the record yeah that one i don't it's really a, it's care a, about.
0: it's a fucking dick joke
1: yeah, that one I don't really uh, care about that much. Yeah, but um, but
0: it's it's a great record. Five stars.
1: Yeah, five. I, yeah, and I, and I don't know if we formally reviewed uh, one foot in the grave, but I'm gonna yeah. give I'm gonna give
0: one foot in the grave and Odelay both five stars. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then moving on into mutations. Mutations is kind of an outlier in his catalog because. You can't fully disa- say, you know, cleanly that this is a Beck Depression record, but it's got elements of that with some Nigel Godrich uh, assisted sparkling going on in the mix. And
1: this one is a band record. So he's got his touring band and it's a classic band, Joey Warnker, Justin Miller Johnson, Roger Manning, Smokey Hormel. That backing band of musicians, they're all A-plus, really brilliant musicians. And they're kind of come and go in his career. They're on a lot of his records, and they're kind of a key element. that, that, they're, they're, that ma- they're mainly
0: the core main back band.
1: Yeah, and that's, that to me is the sound of this record, is the sound of a band playing, which is not something he's really had before. Um,
0: and a point. real focus on songwriting yeah this is really a song with Odalay, you were patching together pieces, which is fun mm-hmm. but this is now just everything rests on the quality of the songwriting, yeah, and which is <clears throat> which is
1: strong, you know it, it, I think it tails off maybe a little bit uh, in the second half. yeah, but a lot of strong uh, songs on
0: this. I mean, you got nobody's fault but my own, which is one of his best songs. Right, certainly one of his best depressing songs in the vein of Black Hole. Stunning uh, vocal on it. Oh, it's amazing! And then orchestration by his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live again is a great exhausted vocal. Mm-hmm. You got Static, which is an amazing sad closer. Cold Brains, great opener. It's yeah, Cold Brains is fantastic. Um, it's a great record. But you, uh, you know, looking at it, especially, you know, going through the trawl like this in Discog Graffiti, you can hear the pastiche just start to set in. So, like the kind of sad signifiers. Well,
1: also the one, Tropicalia, that one. Yeah, that That, that one, one's kind of a bust.
0: <clears throat> right, right. It's and, not really that
1: great a song. It's just like, hey, we can make this sound and reference this thing that I know exists. Like,
0: it, that's kind of an ominous.
1: Uh, Foreshadowing,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tropicalia is to Caetano Veloso as Paper Tiger is to Serge Gansborg, yeah, right. It's where it's, yeah, it's, it's full on pastiche, it's yeah. not even playing at pastiche,
1: it's pastiche in a way too where it's like, look at this cool thing that I know about, right? Right, not my favorites, but the, you know, that's really to me the only uh clunker on on uh, mutations. There's a couple tunes near the end that maybe are, are
0: a little bit like a level below the top stuff. But um, I liked it more at the time. Looking back at it now, I love it, but not at the same level. I give it four and a half stars. Yeah, I give it four and a half. Also, we're agreeing a lot on this one. Yeah, we got to start some contention here. To I make think we're about to. All right. Then you move into Midnight Vultures. So, you know, it kind of sounds like uh, your dad going a little bit too crazy on the bar mitzvah dance floor. Um, that's what, that's what this sounded like. Now it's, so sickly sweet with the production touches that there's basically no songs and it's just throwing shit at the wall and all of it's kind of falling off, almost all of it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot it's of these. It's his first shitty record. Yeah, there's a lot of these that are definitely overproduced. There's one song, "Nicotine
0: and Gravy." Um, yeah, like what is that? That's like a, a Beck song lyric generator. Yeah, yeah. Garbage cans and ashtrays, cemeteries. And yeah, he's <laughs> he has kind of like Becky. He is a go He has a Becky and vocabulary. List, yeah. He's
1: got about like a hundred words that he kind of just uses. <laughs> That's pretty much. So, awesome.
0: so I think you can agree, Joe, that it's around here that the schism starts to develop between the depressing albums and the party albums. So it's it's very consciously trying to be a party record. Um, now I want to say some of it works as far as
1: I'm concerned, but yeah, I think I like this better than you do. Um, yeah, but,
0: but it, it just feels like an enclosed, suffocated sound world like Prince later on in his life. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. There are some good songs. I love Hollywood Freaks. I love um, uh, uh, what's the first track? Sex Laws. I love Deborah. those three. Yeah. Now what's infuriating about this record to me is that those are the tent posts the first song on the record, the middle track and the last track. So I think every time I hear it, that the album is better than it is because the good tracks are spread out.
1: Well, Hollywood freaks is the one that seems to kind of like it nails what they were going for. Kind of the sort of like sleazy late night kind of party record thing.
0: Um, What's the, the original title of the, the album was uh, we're going to get VD in the club tonight. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. That was it. huh? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, but there's a lot of a lot of the songs are kind of forgettable, and most of them are um, are I just feel overstuffed with production. It, it's, it's there's there's kind of a lot of um, a lot of uh, you know obviously they had the, the the success with Odelay, and that kind of has a blender kind of sound to it, where there's a ton of samples and a lot going on. But that seems to all flow well. Like it, it, it seems to all kind of hit. It doesn't it doesn't ever seem overworked, and um, midnight vultures definitely seems like it's just overdone over egged i mean
0: there's so much shit in it um i'd love to hear a more stripped down version of it well actually i wouldn't because it really is the most beck lyric song generator album that there is um it's more about the synth presets and less about the actual yeah well that's
1: the other thing the process seems kind of backwards where it seems like it's like okay let's make a track and then so you have like a beat and some music stuff on it. And then you graft a song on top of that. This does, these don't seem like the kind of songs like you like sit down at a piano and write. And, and then you're like, okay, here's my song I wrote. And then it's like nicotine
0: and gravy. And the, the, the worst thing about this album is that it begat all these other albums that were weaker clones of this one. So this to me, I'm giving it two and a half stars. It's going to have to live with that rating. And that's being fucking generous. And that's just for those three tracks. I gave it three and a half. There's a couple other things I like too.
1: On it, I, I kind of like the uh, the, the craft worky one. Get real paid. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm I'm reluctantly giving it three and a half.
0: It feels fucking whack to me. But
1: so that that's kind of the first real misstep he's had. Midnight Correct. Ventures. Correct. Agreed. Up to <clears> the up to <throat> that point, he's got he's doing pretty good. He's got a pretty high batting average here.
0: Then he faints left because he's got a lot of problems for a long time aesthetically. But he creates a masterpiece before that occurs. So Sea Change uh, is just a beautiful ode to depression and heartbreak. Um, It's a worthy successor to the uh, Blood on the Tracks uh, breakup album. Yeah, and this
1: is kind of the first time that he's kind of gone deep into like sincerity as a style. So pretty much all of his other records have uh, a healthy dose of uh, irony. And kind of it, this, that sort of winking kind of, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek kind of approach to lyrics. But Sea Change is very sincere. It's,
0: it's, it's almost like a child wrote it. Yeah. It's, There's it's, no masking whatsoever. It's
1: like a teenager wrote it or something. But yeah, I don't yeah. mean that in a bad way. No, I mean, not in a bad way at all. In it's in a, a stark contrast
0: um, to the lyrics that he used to write. So it really kind of clubs you over the head because you're not expecting it.
1: Yeah. The sense of him being wounded seems very genuine.
0: And there's a lot of great songs. Right out of the gate, you have Golden Age. Joe, I know you're not a fan. I love Paper Tiger. Joe thinks it's a Serge Gainsbourg pastiche. He's right. I still like it. Guess I'm Doing Fine a great song. Lost Cause, End of the Day, Already Dead, Sunday Sun. These are all great songs. They're of a piece. You have to listen to the whole thing as a piece, to kind of get the vibe, and they work well together.
1: Yeah, Paper Tiger bums me out. Not just because it's a pastiche, um, but because it seems to really break the character of the album too. It seems like it doesn't really fit on the. I might, it might not have bothered me as much on another record, but it's you know, Serge that It's 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 almost like a note for note, like arrangement wise, like everyone's. It's it's like, it's like Melody Nelson, the Serge boy record. It's like it's it's a really direct pastiche of it, and the way the strings are written, the way everything's recorded, all the tones, the way everybody plays, Um, which is weird for this this kind of sad, heartbroken record. Because Melody Nelson is like a really It's like super, climbing into a costume. Yeah. It, well, and also the, the Melody Nelson record is like one of the sexiest records ever made. It's like a record that's pretty much just like the oral equivalent of fucking, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is a record, you know, Sea Change is the opposite of that. It's a record about nobody fucking. <laughs> right, <laughs> People right. People not fucking. <laughs> this is the anti, let's get <laughs> it on. So it's a weird um, thing to do a pastiche of to me in the context of this record. I mean, I'll, I'll, it's cool. I mean, they do a good job of it. It's, you know, the original thing they're mimicking is cool. The, the act, his actual lyrics and melody are pretty cool. It's just a weird choice to me. Like, I, I, would, I would have rather it not been on there.
0: That, that notwithstanding, <clears throat> it really is uh, an incredible mood piece altogether. Um, <clears throat> at the time, everyone I knew was listening to, to it all the time. And frankly, it is his last five-star record. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'll give it five. It, it should be a five-star record. Yeah, and there, he's never done a five-star record since, and that uh, was 19 years ago as of this recording. Mm-hmm. But
1: still, he's got, what, three going pretty much at this yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the and then end. A couple four and a couple
0: four-and-a-halves. This represents good. the end of his run. Yeah. This is the end of his run. Well, that's the end of
1: one run. He went on a very different kind of
0: run. He went on a different run, but it was more of a like a, a light jog. He never achieved the heights he he achieved in the the, 90s. It's basically like 93 to 2002. It's a good run. Yeah, he did a lot in there. Yeah. And now we enter the dog shit section of Beck's (laughs) career. So we start with with Wero. Uh, Wero was his highest charting album, which is fucking ridiculous. That's really, though, just kind of a
1: quirk of how the charts are compiled.
0: Yeah, that notwithstanding, uh, it still is a piece of shit. The Dust Brothers uh, came in and did an Odele retread. They did it poorly. Uh, it's a, it's, it is. I'll give it this. It's a less sickly sweet party record than Midnight Vultures. Rus. Uh, it's just generic though. It, it's the songs are stripped down to their bolts. It's completely indistinct, vague, and there's no standout songs at all, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Well, this one, um, I think I like this one better than you do. I don't love it. It's not. It's definitely not amazing. It, it's sort of like a Midnight Vultures-ish kind of record to me. It's it, it's in a different way. This is the Dust Brothers again. They come up with a couple of cool tracks. The, the the lead single, the K Wero single, it's kind of like where it's at, but I like it better than where it's at. I kind of like the track. It has that kind of like LA lowrider kind of culture it to it. That I don't mind. There's a song called Earthquake Weather that's kind of a cool song. It's kind of buried in there, but I like that song a lot. It's a good melodic song. Um girl that one kind of got played on the radio a bit. That one's I got no problem with that one. So, so there's, generic. There's a few, but there
0: girl would be like on his earlier records just like a it would be a not even a B-side. Yeah,
1: it's all right. I don't <clears> mind
0: it. <throat> But
1: um, it's some of the other ones. The other one that's a big smash hit in this is E-Pro.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that song I find really annoying. It's, cr- it's ridiculous. It's so what you
0: want with some rapping on it.
1: Yeah, that one. And it's the first song on the record. And I remember my first reaction hearing it was being very underwhelmed. And then that kind of has like a that na-na-na-na chorus. It's kind of like like a sports song or something. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, like it would, it's like you should play it like in, at the intermission in the basketball game or something. Yeah, I don't like that song. Like
0: right after that Gary Glitter song.
1: Yeah, it's very yeah exactly. Like it's trying to like or like uh, hey now you and I'll stop. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
0: seems like it's kind of or one that, of those. Woo-hoo! <laughs> it's like one of those. I mean, it's yeah, no, no good as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, and it was made, I believe, at the same time as the follow up record, The Information. Um, what are we? What are we uh, rating? Where? Where do I give one star? One star. Yeah, yeah that's harsh it's generous what are you going to give some is. of the other ones <laughs> how do you, how do you, it's, where is a one star album I, don't, I, I, don't I, like I liked it. it quite a bit I'll give it three wow big disparity there yeah. that's definitely
1: fisticuffs as far as I'm concerned well I think you got to have a, you, you got to like have a ceiling and a floor
0: so, where is not the floor <laughs> no, well, the floor is zero, not one. So okay. anyway, then we have the information and the information. This one feels to me like the floor. This, this is close to the floor for me, but uh, it really is very muddled and vague and endlessly long. It's over an hour. Um, and, uh, you know, it's so bad. Uh, it's hard to think of anything even cutting to say about it It's just a waste of space well again you got uh
1: this is we probably should have a little talk about beck's rapping because um that's a big problem he's he's, he's a terrible rapper he can pull it off on some things sometimes as he has the charm and kind of has a, you know like a, it kind of works on loser like hand-aware, What what is it going
0: to it do 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 hip hop zip zap jab the boo rip dip do do
1: he has a, He doesn't have a, a very advanced flow. Let's put it no, that way. no. He's you know like I mean like compare him the compare him to like you know I don't know like a like a real rapper like old dirty bastard or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not really doing the same. It it seems like uh, it's it's, a, to, it's unremarkable. It's just it's a I don't know. It's almost a little bit like it's kind of taking the piss out of rap. You know, it's like it's he's so. It's, he's, it's i mean it's like he's not showing kind of like a, lot, a whole lot of respect for it he doesn't really try to work on it it's just he's he's it's the same kind of elementary kind of way of rapping that he's i don't know I, i'm not I'm not into it I don't, I'm like not his, I don't like his rap not a fan <laughs> <laughs> i could deal with it a little bit like a song on a record but the information yeah. it's a lot of it it's, it's mostly it's, like yeah. him rapping the worst of it is that
0: it's completely indistinct like I, I don't see a viewpoint on it. I know that he remade it a few times with Nigel Godrich, and it just sounds like the whole inspiration and I, the idea stage, it <clears throat> never really reached a full fruition. There was never a point of view on it. Yeah, yeah. This
1: this record, that's the difference to me with Wero. Wero at least is a you know has a kind of feels like a record. It's it's kind of it's where it, the information feels like they're just fucking around in the studio. Yeah,
0: yeah. And also that that um 10 minute plus epic at the end of the album is the fucking mm. slowest, no. shittiest, most lugubrious puddle of diarrhea to close out the worst period in his career. I almost day.
1: had to I almost had to tap out on that one. Yeah, it's <laughs> I almost didn't make it.
0: It was it's so uninspired. Like, why shove a shitty 10 minute song at the end of 50 minutes of music? You already have enough music for a record. Why yeah, the are you trying second to do that? Close? This, the
1: second half of uh, the information gets really rabbit holy. Like, it, it gets really like it, you just want it to end. Yeah. Um, th- there's also a few things in here that are like so pastiche There's the one, I forget what tune it is Cell Phone's Dead. That's the song I see at my notes. It's It's basically just like the chameleon lick, the Herbie that's, Hancock chameleon. And, that, and that's the hit. But like legally changed by like one beat one enough. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever like could legally make like it Ice not Baby. be that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and then he's doing the shabbity dude rap yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. It's just garbage. So I give it one star and the only reason I give it one star is because I love the song movie theme. But that's the only reason. I, I don't recommend the record. Just listen to our playlist on discograffini.com and you'll get the song.
1: I didn't, I didn't really know we were doing zero stars, so I think it's kind of skewing my, my
0: vibe on these. <laughs> zero is I, always <laughs> worthless. One is bad. Two is fair. Okay. Uh, three is good. I have to recalibrate. Four is very good. And five is a stone cold classic
1: i i had this down as two but i really don't like it so i don't know maybe it should be more like a one I, I'll, I'll i'm gonna keep it consistent with my other ones and say it's two <laughs>
0: okay with your incorrect ratings well go on, uh, <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah, we're
1: in a, now we're in a okay you're rating them on a scale of zero to five and i'm rating them one to five yeah all zero right?
0: to five with halves being totally admissible okay
1: all right you know what one star cool
0: Sweet. Welcome, since, since there's lower welcome, to go. Welcome to my lowered world. <laughs> All right. All right. Then he, we get into modern guilt, which is one of the strangest uh, outliers of his career. I kind of feel like <clears throat> there's no lead-in to this, nor does, it, um, does he really revisit this type of record it's usually didn't have a lot dance of, party de, yeah and then depressing record but here we get a 33 minute course correction for the uh, to apologize sort of for the bloat of the information well it didn't have a lot of fanfare i feel like even when it came out it kind of came out no sort of you quietly. wouldn't even listen to me when i told you it was very good i remember being on your jock about it i think i flipped through i like
1: chemtrails i Great heard that song. as a single when that came out and then i flipped through a little bit i was like eh. But listening to it for the purposes of this, yeah, it's pretty good. Look, it's, it's um, not
0: totally distinctive, but it's definitely more so than anything he'd done in a while. And it's a humble record. Yeah. It's just a guy making like a, a what sounds like a little psychedelic surf record. Well, it,
1: it, basically the process on this one was Danger Mouse had made the tracks, and then I think he just, actually just added vocals on top of them. I don't know if they worked very much together. I might be mistaken. But at any, at any rate, it's produced with Danger Mouse, and he has a kind of... Uh, Slightly different, um, it was somebody new to work with. He had done the Dust Brothers, he had done Nigel Godrich. So out of the, out of this period, you know, if you look at these three records together, where are the information and in Modern Guilt? Modern Guilt seems like the freshest, like he's trying to do something that he hasn't done before. Um, and it has a kind of a low-key, kind of low-stakes kind of charm to it.
0: I kind of love it. And, and you're right, Chemtrails is fucking sick. I mean, it's, you know, that queasy kind of spectral psychedelia um, yeah, that's an epic just, track. Yeah, it's just it's so good. It's a good path for him. To I'd take. like to hear a whole record just like that. Me too. Me too. And the title track is a great title It'll pop song. That's cool. Too.
1: There's a song called Replica that I liked a lot. That's kind of a pretty cool production and has this kind of ethereal, kind of floaty thing to it. Um, yeah, this record kind of caught me by
0: surprise because I did really dismiss
1: it at the time.
0: So yeah, it, this I give this one three and a half stars. It, it's a it, it's an awesome little record. It's highly recommended. It's not perfect, but there's great tracks on it, and the vibe throughout is consistent, and it's really solid.
1: I gave this four. Um, you know, I feel like this. I'm kind of grading this on a curve of my own expectations. I remember completely dismissing it, but yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's it, I. It's, sometimes he tr- he's kind of like a try hard, you know. Sometimes he kind of like tries too hard to do a thing. He's like he's really committed to making the party record and they're know, like museum exhibits he yeah creates, this, this he actually cre- he
0: creates these little dioramas and then lets them yeah. go kind of
1: modern guilt though feels just like it's just a record he made it, like i said the stakes seem
0: kind of low on it just, he
1: was just yeah, trying yeah. to make something cool yeah so I, it's I a, hum, like, a humble like it. little
0: uh, record it's yeah. really punchy so uh then we then oh by the way we skipped over motherfucker getting all injured and stuff oh right yeah that happened so that happened right
1: around then. Well, no, I guess it was wasn't around, it for uh, um, a Wero video. It was video? for the video for Epro. He got um, he, he, he was in a
0: dancing robot that <laughs> fucked his shit up.
1: Yeah, he he suffered some pretty bad injuries. Had like a lot of nerve damage. If you it, it, the the video for Epro, they put him in this suit and the suit moves his limbs all around, but. It um, obviously was not uh, planned out very well because he had he was he got really fucked up from that. He was uh, had pretty debilitating injuries for a while. Couldn't play guitar. Um, he lost a lot of weight. He was having like wasting away syndrome. You think that
0: dancing robot maker is still making dancing robots for a living?
1: I don't know, but I, I, there's a lot of people I'd like to recommend for experimental
0: dancing robot <laughs> trial. Yeah, me too. Uh, Hope he's still in business. <laughs> <laughs> With that in mind. Um, okay. yeah, so um, so he, he's he, he became basically that explains the sporadic releases. So yeah, so after Modern after guilt that, was 2008 and then his next record was 2014. In between there, all that was going on was he did uh, an album series that was basically just recreating classic records. Um, and then he did a few one-offs. Which are outstanding. So first, we'll we'll tackle the album recreation series. Which, frankly, there's not a ton to talk about. My favorite is the one where he covers Skip Spence's "Orr," but it's basically people like uh, uh, Wilco and Feist, and you know other hip uh, up-and-comers who hang around and you know, just recreate some records. of the guys
1: from his touring bands Yeah, around that. Those kind of sound like what they are. They were done in a day. Velvet underground and yeah. Nico. Yeah. They're all done in a day. He books a studio yeah. out somewhere. Everybody learns a record ahead of time. They come in and knock it out in a day.
0: It's not, I mean, they're the opposite of essential, but it's cool that they exist. That's basically what you can say about those. Um, but then there was some interesting one-offs. So the Harry Parch thing, it was mm-hmm. like, where the fuck did that come from? Cause you had you hadn't really heard anything you know that insane from Beck in a long time.
1: Yeah, it's a that that's a really interesting piece. I like that a lot. He, he the sort of experimental side of his career is something that kind of gets shunted off into these kind of one-off little releases. But he's quite good at it.
0: Yeah, it's too bad you know he doesn't put a, a bigger thing together because these are just one-off pieces. Um, I feel like
1: if he tried to make a record in that direction and took it seriously, it would probably be really good. It'd be outstanding.
0: Yeah. Um, so he also did an incredible cover of the Flamingos I Only Have Eyes for You. Um, yeah, a very faithful cover of it, his, his, so beautiful. His voice
1: is magic on that. Uh,
0: that was in 2012. Then there was NYC 73 to 78, um, a 20 minute piece that he did for a Philip Glass comp that is absolutely essential. I mean, it's great,
1: great back, yeah. Again, you know, when he when he indulges that experimental side. It's just kind of in his DNA. He kind of has a feel for it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I know it's... It, you know, it's I would, I would love to hear him do more of that and less of the kind of stuff that he... Bullshit.
0: Actually <laughs> and doing. then um, I Won't Be Long was a, was a great little pop song, and he had a 13-minute uh, super mix of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: which is surprisingly listenable for the Unbelievable. It kind of has like a krautrock Rock kind of feel it to does, it.
0: It does. It does. It brings you to a whole other place. And that period, uh, you know, he wasn't releasing any records, but everything he did sounded really interesting. Well, think- he was also, he wasn't making, but he was working
1: a lot. You know, I know people who were working with him at that period and he was, you know, they were working really steadily for a long time. I think there was some kind of, uh, f- he was also, you know, he had the injury, so it was kind of slow going a lot of the time, but they were, you know, trying to make a record uh, for quite a while and they, you know, morning phase was eventually what became the record, but there was a couple of false starts. They were trying to make, they tried to make a couple different kinds of things. There was a lot of recording going on then.
0: Well, he was suffering from dr drnd dancing robot nerve damage, so he <laughs> so he had that six year down period. Um, so then, coming out of that, he kind of you know looking back, it's a little bit sad to me because it seemed like uh, a renaissance in his career, but it was uh, just like a little bit of a faint. Um, but Morning Phase came out uh, in 2014 and everybody was talking about how, b- how great back was. Um, it's basically a remake of Sea Change with less of a focus on Songcraft and a heavier focus on. Kind of pure, unadulterated mopey vibe.
1: Yeah, I feel like we kind of had opposite uh, reaction on this when it came out. You liked it a lot. And, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, and I heard it once. I was like, God, I'm not. It's just why would you just make Sea Change again? It's, this is this is off putting. But listening to it for this, it's a little. It's different enough from Sea Change where I mean, he even calls it a companion piece to Sea Change, which is kind of like the euphemistic way of saying, look at the I fucking I it the cover.
0: It, it, what he's doing is he's making Sea Change with a hat on.
1: Yeah, it's the same band. Um, the, the first song, especially it's in the same key as the first song on Sea change. It's like the same opening chord. It's the same little keyboard motif. I mean, it's really signifying strongly that it's like, this is Sea change part two. The rest of the record, not as much like that one is really like, wow, he's just pastiching himself. This is weird. But, um,
0: there's things to like about it. It's though. more focused on singing. Yes, I think Well, that's it, uh,
1: that's what I was just going to say. His voice is really super prominent on it, and he sings beautifully on it. He has it's, his it's, voice it's, really soars. It's a, it's a, a showcase for his, his instrument, his, his vocal instrument. He and he, you know he's, he's he's a beautiful singer. He, you know, you see the guy sing somewhere, it's kind of remarkable. He's I, the guy look, can really I, fucking I'm sing. I'm
0: realizing as we're talking about this that I am you know I'm pissed at him for not following this direction of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's more of a retrospective bitch slap, um, me being pissed off about the record. It's a, it's a good enough record. It's just, <clears throat> it's like, if I feel like listening to Stevie Wonder, I'm not going to put on Jamiroquai. And so if I feel like listening to Sea Change, I'm not going to put on Morning Face. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's,
1: that's, I mean, that's definitely how I felt about it when it came out. Um, I, it was really off-putting to me, and I, I and it was I, I found myself annoyed at how everyone was fawning over it. But I think I was kind of mistaken about it. it, it it's it's like a Xerox. It's like a, three, it's a, Xerox, it's a third third-generation Xerox, Xerox copy. It know? is. Like, it
0: is. That that being said, it's still <clears throat> still a good record, even though that's a harsh judgment. But that was his intention in doing this. Yeah. Uh, if you don't think so, look at the cover. Yeah. I give it three and a half stars.
1: Um, I gave it four. Fair enough. That's it's, probably a, maybe a little generous. It's a solid record.
0: Yeah. Uh, Song Reader is next, which is not, you know, he, he Beck released a series of uh, uh, sheet music songs that weren't actually performance-driven and encouraged people to do them. Then he released an album uh, of different artists doing those songs. And although not terrific or even good by any stretch of the imagination, uh, it is oddly the closest thing to Mellow Gold, that he has released since then because it's so varied and he's getting so many forms of so different right, right. song forms in there.
1: And there's a couple of good ones. I kind of wish he had just, um, you know, to put out the thing of sheet music and then made an album of himself of playing the songs on it, you know, whatever, six months later or something. It was cool having it out and being like, look, here's the record. That doesn't exist, but here's sheet music. It was kind of a cool concept. It was, um, I think a lot of the songs... I think it would have been better. The one song I probably like the best is the one that he does his own version of. That, I like
0: the Wilco song. The Wilco song's pretty any, good. Any comp you have, the Wilco song's the one good song. <laughs> right. Um,
1: but um, I think it would have probably been a pretty cool album if he had just kind of you know
0: recorded it himself. But. So you would think after Morning Phase that he would want to squander that kind of goodwill, but apparently he doesn't have the the common sense to realize that creating an album like Colors... <clears throat> which is Beck's worst album. No, um, yeah, one. is the worst one. Uh, uh, I don't think so, but I know, I, I know your thoughts on this. But I don't understand who the fucking audience for this is because his typical crowd would have absolutely no interest, you or I, and kids looking to dance aren't desperately seeking puffed-up plastic surgery effig- eff- eff- effigies of 90s alt-rock stars wiggling their fucking sagging asses on the dance floor.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of what was in my notes. Like, who is this for? Like, why does this? Why does this exist? You know, he did this with um, with Greg Kirsten, big producer. I I know Greg. I've, I've played in Greg's band, um, and we have a lot of mutual friends, kind of in the same little world of people. Um, I have great respect for everything Greg does. He's an incredible musical genius. He I mean he gave the thing that he was asked to deliver, which is the slick pop album. You know, it's it's just it's just weird. Why does it? Why make this? You know. Um, like you know who is it for like like that like you just said nobody
0: needs this record i mean absolutely nobody it's sort of
1: like to play it at coachella
0: or something i i don't know i don't know there's i guess he thought there was some use for it but it's so elaborately put together it just seems like it's a fucking waste of effort to me
1: it also seemed when did this come out 2000 what like 17 or something yeah, it seems a little bit like the pop music of like two thousand and eight or something. It seems yeah. like it's not really like pop music that's really on the chart now. Like, I give this um, a
0: solid unapologetic zero. <laughs> I'll
1: give it i am uh, I'm gonna give this a one. You're very generous tonight, Justin. I got I to gotta keep the floor. There's I love still, it. there's more floor. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep it relevant because
0: the, the one that's coming up next is, is worse. So why don't you introduce the next? This is Beck's most recent album. What's this stupid album called? Hyperspace. Hyperspace. Hyperspace is such garbage. This is his, you know, last record before the pandemic. This
1: one, I will fully admit, I could not. I mean, I started skipping through it a little bit because uh, this one's even kind of more depressing. This is sort of like the uh, what's he? I mean, it's, he did it mostly with Pharrell. Who I, who I, there's plenty of Pharrell productions that I like, but this is not one of them. This sounds like they just dialed up some presets that were in like, you know, Logic or whatever and, um, you know, slapped together a couple of beats and mumbled some melodies over them and called it a day. Um, This sounds like the low energy cousin to Colors.
0: Well, I think, you know, to his credit, not that I'm supporting the record by any means, but I think his intention was. Uh, to do a, you know, to bring some of his depressing album elements into a dance party record, mm-hmm. like one of those The weekend Come Down records or something. Yeah. But he's fucking following on coattails of people that had been following on his coattails previously. It's, it's just, just a, sad. Considering the talent
1: of the people involved, it sounds kind of surprisingly amateurish and very rote. Like some of the production touches like I said, just kind of generic presets. There's like kind of trap beats on it. Like that, that sort of rolling hi-hat trap kind of sound. Like the first time I heard that, it was just like, Oh, it's just, just cringe. Like, you know, um, definitely like that. You know, the, the old
0: guy with the ponytail and the earring. Kind of <laughs> yeah, it totally um, does. I, I, I really don't like it. I don't like this period in his career. I know it's 2021 right now. And, <clears throat> you know he could course change at any point, but I don't think he's able to tap into. I mean, if you think about it, it's just been so long since he's made a really good record.
1: Yeah, I mean, even the ones um, you know. I the, don't count
0: morning phase because that was a an exercise.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's is is he capable of like firing off another thing that's similar to that or similar to like.
0: Like but that's a, the thing. Who cares if it's similar? Well, that's similar the point. To, that's yeah, the point. Yeah.
1: Now, so maybe, maybe yes, he is able to do another morning phase, like pastiche of his own past kind of record. Um, is he, does he have it in him to do something truly new? I think he w- could. Maybe. It's a question of priorities. He seems to want to stay relevant. He seems to want to, like, you know, be cool with the kids or something, you know. Um, I think if he if he made something like that was just like that Harry Parch thing, you know, or, or yeah, yeah, that'd be nuts. Or even something I mean, like in that direction, but a more conventional record of songs. But
0: you know, like what's some- sad is he's an obvious music lover, yeah, who is creating shitty music. Yeah, I
1: think there's a little bit of like my outsider looking in perspective because I don't know him is you know that he's really thinking like you know what what am I going to make that people will like like he's really mm-hmm. concerned about like what can I make that will make me popular kind of instead of like you know I think when he focuses more on like let's I want to just make something cool that I like it comes out better
0: and, and there's such an over reliance on gear and sound and you but, know well every, also everything is like has this like very like
1: uh, class kind of you know it's all like top rate kind of you know We've got the top musicians and we're in the best studios. And Which big and name? I, there's always a big name producer his whole, in the chair.
0: Like the whole foundation of his career had nothing to do with. Like that. make a record at home on your laptop. Yeah, you know? he could do be, that be and it would be fucking yeah. great too. Yeah. Anyway, um, hyperspace. I think we all know your review. I'm giving it the coveted zero, esteemed zero. I See, give it,
1: I had to. I had to
0: save that. I give it one star for its uh, for its labored. Shitty attempt at melding <laughs> uh, late night. Well, you're giving it a star for a failed attempt. It's <laughs> something that's not even a good and, idea. And in the the floor to me is colors. <laughs> I fucking hate colors. But honestly, colors in hyperspace are a toss-up. Easily the worst record records of his career, even including the information and in, in where. Yeah,
1: they both kind of represent a thing that's kind of like dispiriting. You know, the, the sort of
0: attempt to stay relevant, and you know that wide berth between how. Not only how old he is, but where his strengths lay yeah. to what he's trying to do is sad and embarrassing for a guy who once seemed uh, almost completely infallible. Yeah,
1: right. I mean, you look at him, look at it where he was at, like after, you know, like mutations or something. Yeah. Where he hadn't really had a, you know, that, that's a good long run of a lot of quality. Um Look, I got a lot of respect for the guy he's, yeah you know, yeah he's, I
0: still will listen to everything you know I I'm s-
1: certainly interested to see what he does next I, I mean I, I'm'll always listening I'll be, listen to I'll his be bummed if it was like another you know party you know now he's got um you know I don't know who he's now dr. Luke's
0: making a record You know, I hope that's Look, not what it is you and I are 49 years old right now <laughs> yeah. okay we uh, we grew up with this guy we you know he's mm-hmm. he's like you know what the beatles were maybe in 1970 to that crowd right to you know just seeing how people get older yeah. you know what they do and it's tough I, to keep it up that long yeah it's yeah it's hard yeah it's got to be i i hold that hope for him because he was uh, was and remains important to me and he's also
1: kind of the last of a generation in a way where he's like one of the last like mtv like alt rock Things that be, you know, like one of the last things from the 90s that's still like a thing, you know, that, that yeah. where, where he could still, you know, he got to like arena level, he got to yeah. really huge. She would play like, but you know, when you
0: look at the 90s, you know, I mean, uh, <clears throat> pop col- culture will have you believe that Nirvana was the voice of a generation. Mm-hmm. To me, it was probably pavement and Beck. Well, to people like us, to most people, it was like fucking Creed and Hootie. <laughs> That's and I, I bet you none of those people are listening to this podcast <laughs> right. for a great, if you put
1: it on the sheer numbers alone, for a great, probably not rundown, pavement.
0: a lot of these tracks that we've been talking about. Uh, not a lot of them, uh, all the good ones they're going to be on our playlist on discograffiti.com. This playlist is going to be the jam. This is going to like—it's going to be almost as good as the cassette that's sitting in my bedroom right now. (laughs) (laughs) But definitely check that out because there's some classics on there. Because Beck is a legacy artist. Okay, and speaking of legacies, are we
1: ready to do our top threes?
0: I couldn't possibly be more ready.
1: All right, I'll go first, I guess. Yes, please. All right, so my number three most favorite Beck album is Sea Change. Mm. My number two most favorite Beck album is Odalé. And at number one, I have One Foot in the Grave. Yes. Just bubbling outside the top three, I would have
0: Mellow Gold. Just right outside that, that list.
1: Um, and my least favorite album it was his most recent album, Hyperspace.
0: Okay, my list is extremely similar. First of all, bubbling outside the top three for me is also Mellow Gold. Uh, but we're doing a top three here, so that comment doesn't count. Number three, Odelay. Number two, Sea Change. Number one, One Foot in the Grave. So pretty similar to Joe's. Um, and least favorite album is Colors, which is basically uh, hyperspace without the trap beats. Right. So we can zoom out and
1: see the uh, the arc from here. You know, the first, what, like 10 years or so of Beck's career are kind of what you'd call his like imperial phase. Yeah. The kind of uh, he where... He absolutely could do no wrong. Maybe even, even, a, f- even
0: his flubs are interesting. may
1: even have a, an occasional misstep, but generally mm-hmm. like a sustained period of, of excellent work. And then there's yeah. kind of like a, uh, a fallow period um, that's kind of not as exciting.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's weird. He's had a long career and he basically has two phases. One that's great. And one where he just sporadically and intermittently will produce uh cool work, but the main thrust is just trying to please a market that is not in existence
1: well he's kind of in a in a down you know he kind of had like a little uh little renaissance there in the middle of with morning phase and um
0: and uh, modern guilt, yeah, but these are all outliers that you're that you're mentioning these are exceptions to the rule he 's definitely on downward phase a la uh, Leonard Skinner's plane crash. The last two have been uh, pretty rough. Hopefully
1: this is a uh, just there it's just like a two off and he's back to making not, you know, stuff that isn't so disposable. Skinnerd music? Maybe he makes an album that sounds like Skinnerd. That would actually be f- <laughs> really, really be awesome. That would be phenomenal. Okay, so
0: we are predicting because we are a new strain of COVID art that's uh, organically emerged. Right, we're waiting that for the- We can predict the future. We're
1: waiting for the flowering of COVID art to start. It's. it's
0: I'm, I'm still waiting. It's taking too long, so we've taken up the charge. That's why you have to tune into Discog Graffiti Weekly. Definitely check out uh, the playlist- uh, that we've so caringly assembled. It's basically an expanded version of that cassette from back in San Francisco.
1: Right. And check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and on the podcast platform of your choice. Please subscribe to uh, us. Oh, us. Yeah. Trust
0: us. We have a lot of good stuff coming up. We'll be here every Monday. And we got a lot of great guests coming up, a lot of great new episodes. John Landis, Spiral Stairs from Pavement. Uh, we're covering uh, Bad Finger. We're covering Betty Davis, Van Halen, the Bee Gees, uh, Slide the, the, the Family Sly Stone. And the Family Stone, all the Beatles' solo careers. Uh, it's going to get nuts in here.
1: Yeah, we're doing a lot of listening, keeping up with all this. It's quite, it's quite a, a project.
0: You're welcome, and we'll see you next week. See you next time. Bye bye.